It's game day, Tampa Bay. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Left circle, Stamkos. Holds, holds, shoots, scores! Stamkos! Again! The latest Lightning news, interviews, and more. Wow. With your host, Greg Linelli. That's great, folks. That's great right there. On Lightning Power Play. You don't want to get too comfortable in the situation. You have to realize this is a really good league. I think we've been fortunate to win nine, but we realize how hard it is to win every single night. But yeah, just keep doing a lot of the same things. That's Alex Kalorn uh, the other day, and he makes a lot of sense. The Tampa Bay Lightning are playing their best hockey of the year. I don't think anybody would dispute that nine games in a row. They are beating good teams. They are beating bad teams. And they're playing a certain way that gives you confidence they'll be able to do this in the playoffs and, more importantly, be successful. As we said before, and Brian Engblom brings this up repeatedly during the last call, the determination of the forwards to come back and help the defenseman is something that's been hit or miss, I think, throughout the, the last few years. And at times when Tampa Bay has really struggled, everybody, you know, you'll hear the, the phrase, lose coverage in their own zone. Now, a lot of people would say, well, that's because maybe the defensemen don't know where they need to be and there's breakdowns there. And while that is true, and we have seen that at times even this year, it is about the forwards coming back and understanding that they need to be part of the defense rather than just be outlets to start transitionally into the offensive zone. And for whatever reason, it is starting to resonate with this team. John Cooper and the coaching staff had preached this before the season started. They wanted to make some structural changes, but more importantly, I think a mindset needed to be installed that, listen, if we're going to be a good team, especially come playoff time, we need everybody to buy in. And that buy-in can't just happen in the playoffs. It needs to happen during the regular season. And this is something that we're going to try and do. And maybe there's going to be some speed bumps along the way, but the reality is, folks, big picture, this is about winning a Stanley Cup. This isn't about winning 62 games in the regular season. Nobody cares about what Tampa Bay really does in the regular season outside of getting into the playoffs and maybe playing a bit better heading into the playoffs. If you finish third, if you finish sixth, if you finish seventh, it really doesn't matter, especially what happened last year to this team. I think especially when you factor in the year that they had and uh, the wins that they accumulated, which was record-breaking. Now the Lightning are playing a way that allows you to see them possibly um, winning games in the playoffs that require some grits, a little bit of determination, and just all in all a buy-in that uh, we're not going to be outworked in the playoffs, and if we have to win a game 2-1, 3-2, that's what we're going to do. You're seeing this team block shots. You're seeing Andre Vasilevsky and Curtis McElhaney make saves at key times, and then you're also seeing the forwards come back and helping out the defensemen. As long as those three things continue, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to win more games than they lose, especially in the regular season, but I also think it gives them more of a fighting chance to advance in the playoffs because you know they can score, and while I think offensively at times we have seen them dry up in the playoffs, um, it's not an area where you say they need drastic changes. And I think this year the way they're playing, to me, signals that they don't need more offense necessarily, although it never hurts. But if they're going to play this way, they don't need too much tinkering at the trade deadline. And that is something to keep an eye on when we start talking about this Lightning team and what they want to do. Elliot Friedman from 31 Thoughts actually had a good article in his most recent column this Wednesday, and he actually quoted Julian Brisewa 
And it it talks about something we had stated on this show that Breezewide told us two weeks ago that, you know, he's looked at the last maybe 10 trade deadlines and it really hasn't been beneficial to the team that's made uh, those moves. They've been pretty awful in terms of the return. But Elliot Friedman also says that, you know, there have been instances where teams have gone for it and have made pretty decent acquisitions and has also helped the team uh, win a Stanley Cup. And I think if there's a trade to be made that really gets this team over the hump or maybe adds a piece to a, an area where they already are pretty deep, I do think Julian Breezewell will take a look at it. You know, we heard those rumors that Justin Williams was a team that if he didn't sign with Carolina, Tampa Bay was willing to make him an offer. And maybe they already did. And uh, he was willing to go to Carolina because of the familiarity. But maybe that gave us an indication of what type of player Julian Breezewell is looking to acquire. Somebody who is a, a veteran, who has played a lot in the postseason, who can play a third or fourth line role, but also if you bump him up to a first or second line role, can fit in and play with skilled players. I think that's something we have to keep an eye on. I advocated last year of getting Artemi Panarin. I didn't shy away from that. I don't mind that. Um, I don't know if Kreider is somebody I'd go after from the Rangers. Big physical guy who can fly. Probably would fit in pretty well with the Lightning. You don't know how the chemistry would react. And I think that's something you have to take into consideration. But I do think if Justin Williams gives you any indication of the type of player that Julian Breezewell wants to look at, then you're talking about a guy who's a role player but can also have the opportunity to play in a top six role and plays pretty gritty. And I think those are the type of players maybe Julian Breezewell is looking to add rather than the big moves uh, with the really skilled players. But we'll see how that plays out. Tonight will be a good test. Philadelphia plays really well at home. In fact, I think they actually have the best percentage, winning percentage at home, 14-2-4 in Philly. They're only 9-13-2 on the road. They're holding on to that last playoff spot in the wild card in the East, so this game means something to them. They're coming off a good win against the Caps on Wednesday, and certainly they want to build off of uh, that game tonight against the hottest team in the league. Carter Hart's been much better on home ice than he has on the road. I would look for him to get the start tonight for Philadelphia, but they're a team that... Uh, you know the face-offs can be uh, really beneficial to uh, the Flyers. Tampa Bay has been pretty solid from that standpoint. Also, to special teams. You don't want to give the Flyers too many opportunities on that power play because traditionally it's been good. So let's see what happens with those two things for sure. At Greg Linelli on Twitter, big show planned for you today. We've got coming up in our next segment, Brian Burns, beat reporter for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and then Sam Carcitti from the Philadelphia Inquirer. It's all coming up next as we get you set for Lightning and Flyers on Lightning Power Play. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Peter Kutrop, left circle, cross ice, Johnson, right circle. Jump score! Oh, what a snipe! The latest news, interviews, and more with your host, Greg Lanelli. He would not be denied! On Lightning Power Play. All right, Lightning Power Play Live continues here on a Saturday. That's right. The weekend is here, and the Lightning still are on a nine-game win streak. Looking for number 10 tonight against the Philadelphia Flyers. Always a fun game when these two teams play. The Flyers are, are an easy team to dislike, and they play much better on home ice than they do away. We'll talk to Sam Carcitti from the Philadelphia Inquirer coming up in segment four, and we'll get a, a better scouting report on what this Flyers team is all about. Remember, they have um, gone through some off-the-ice issues with a couple of players, and that's been really unfortunate for them, and you hope that 
Uh, Nolan Patrick, who's dealing with migraines, he hasn't played at all this year. That's kind of really keeping him from doing anything. And, uh, of course, Oscar Lindblom diagnosed with a rare form of bone cancer back in uh, mid-December. And, um, you know, obviously when you start talking about that, you, you really don't care what they've done on the ice. You just want them to be better off of it. And um, I guess he met with his teammates yesterday for the first time since going, uh, getting some treatment. So something to keep in mind, you know, when we talk about big picture of uh, sports and getting intense, there's uh, other guys out there that are certainly struggling, and um, you hope those two are, are able to get back whenever. But here to talk about the game a little bit more, and uh, what does this game mean for the Lightning tonight? Our good friend, he is the beat reporter for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Let's welcome back to the program via the phone line, Brian Burns. Burnsy, great to be with you, bud. And boy, what a difference a month can make. The Lightning have won nine games in a row, maybe considered the best team in the National Hockey League, at least right now. And they're playing some of their best hockey, the best hockey to date, finally getting rewarded for their play because I think they felt like uh, this is something that maybe should have happened before this nine-game win streak. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy when you look at, you know, the standings and where the Lightning are now and you consider where they were, you know, just a, a short month ago. They're like six right now for points percentage in the NHL. They're uh, getting they're closing in on Boston uh, atop the Atlantic Division. They're only seven points back now. The Bruins, with, with a couple games in hand on them, have opened up a little bit of a lead uh, over the Maple Leafs for the second spot. They still have a couple games in hand on Toronto as well. So, uh, yeah, it, it's pretty amazing to just see how far you can climb up in the standings just by going on. Uh, you know, this this run that they've been on for the last month or so. For sure. And, you know, I think it's the way they're playing Burnsy that has a lot of people excited who are around the team. You know, last year, and you were at Julian Breezewa's kind of mid-year evaluation of where the team was, and he told us in that room that, you know, there were times last year where he'd walk out of Amelie Arena with John Cooper after a win, and he'd say, you know, I'm not sure we deserve to win this game. I don't yeah. think you can say that during this nine-game win streak. I mean, they they have earned it. They are playing well. They are playing the way I think John Cooper wants them to play. And I think because of that, you feel like this winning streak could go on for a little longer. Don't know if it'll happen tonight, but the way they're playing, I think, is a little bit different than the way they won games last year. And I think for most... That means I think good things possibly can come in the playoff time. Yeah, that that sit down interview with Julian. We did that, you know, during his first full season as general manager for the Lightning, uh, and obviously that was during the '62. Is in the middle of that '62 win regular season, and uh, I want to say it came around the same time, right after you know the team came back from the holiday break, and they were in the midst at that point of a, a 16 point run, and you know, just listening, I don't even think anybody asked Julian a question. He just started with. You know, pretty much eight to ten minutes straight of just everything positive that the Lightning had done so far that year, and you know, really had nothing to to nitpick about the the squad at that point. Uh, but then, you know, like you said, this year we're, we're we're talking to Julian as well, and it almost sounded like he was more encouraged by the way the team was playing this season, even than he was last season when they were going on, you know, that historic regular season. And I think he saw all the elements coming into place where the team was playing well defensively. They were. Uh, they cut down the penalties. They weren't turning the puck over as much. And, you know, like you rightly said, they maybe weren't getting rewarded for it at that time. 
Uh, although when we did talk to Julian, they were just starting, you know, this nine game win streak that we're on. And uh, yeah, I, you look at the way the lightning are playing right now and it's just kind of, it's pretty, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch these guys play. We talked to the players after, you know, their latest victory against Arizona and Kucherov was asked, you know, what's the, the most telling element of, of what's gone on and why you guys are winning nine games in a row. And he said, it's fun. We're having fun. Uh, and you can see it out on the ice. And I just, you look at the way this team is defending They're they're playing so responsibly in their own end. Uh, some of the, the, coverage issues that we saw earlier in the year haven't really been there during this nine game run. Uh, they're really limiting the, the chances, the, the, the close in chances They're giving up shots from the outside, but that's what they want to do. They want to funnel those shots to the outside, uh, then be there to clean up the rebounds and not really let anybody get inside. And, you know, the, you know, other than one or two little breakdowns, uh, the Taylor hall kind of breakaway uh, in the Arizona game, uh, there's one or two every game, but, now they're getting that that big save from from Vasilevsky or, or McElhaney when he's in there. Uh, they're able to mask those where maybe before you think back to that Dallas game where they just completely controlled that game and gave up three or four good scoring opportunities and seemed like Dallas scored on every one of them. Well, now the, the opposition isn't getting that. They're not able to cash in on those. And the Lightning, the, the defensively, they're taking care of everything else out on the ice. And then they're generating the offense from it. Uh, and it's just really been a lot of fun to watch them play uh, this style over this nine-game win streak. Yeah, and I think the way they're playing defensively is what's standing out. And when I mean defensively, Burns, I'm talking about it seems like the forwards are really coming back hard on the forecheck and helping out the defensemen more times this year than we saw last year for sure. And I'm wondering, too, if you agree. I don't know where you come down on this. If the team felt like after what happened during the first round of the playoffs being swept... Yes, yeah, some changes need to be made, but it wasn't realistic to expect Vasilevsky to continue to play the way he was playing and facing all of those high dangerous shots game in and game in and game out and expect this team to continue to be a Stanley Cup contender. I think it just might have been asking a goaltender to do way too much. And this year, while Vasi's been really good, he hasn't had to be great, and I don't know if that's a bad thing because I think the team's defense is much better. Yeah, you look over the last couple games, and it's been you know, 25, 27, 23 shots against. And uh, you know, Vazos, he's talked earlier that, that he likes seeing a lot of shots, probably you know, in the 30 to 35 range is maybe where he's in his, his comfort zone as far as seeing a lot of pucks and getting a lot of action and staying sharp and uh, John Cooper talked about it after the last game when he finally got the shutout after coming so close so many times uh, that the, they had talked with him, that Franz John had talked with, with Vasilevsky and worked with him about staying focused in some of these games or maybe he's only seeing 23 shots a game, 25 shots a game. Uh, so I really think that was a big part of what it went into to him just looking uh, pretty much in command for that entire 60 minutes against Arizona and, and finally getting that, that shutout that, uh, he'd come so close to a couple times before. So uh, I think that's been really good to see his development. And, and uh, for, for me, it, it's Vasilevsky that, that sparked this run. Uh, I feel like the team was playing well defensively, maybe weren't getting a couple of those saves that they had been used to getting. And, and now they're getting the saves from Vasilevsky. He looks completely dialed in. Uh, I think the defense is feeling confident as a result of that. And, and you can just really tell there's a lot of really good vibes around the team right now. Brian Burns, beat reporter for the Tampa Bay Lightning, joining us here on Lightning Power Play Live. And what's interesting, Burns, is that John Cooper has switched up his lines again. I think it's because he wants to keep everybody fresh and, and feel important. But 
it really seems like regardless of who's playing with uh, whomever, these players are still productive. Yeah, and it's been like that for a while. We've seen him change up the lines. We've seen different combinations throughout the years that have really seemed to work. Uh, you know, the point Kucherov Stamkos line, they've used that in the past. It's been, you know, lethal at times. Other times it stagnates and you start to wonder if you're putting too much of your, your high-end talent on, on one grouping. So you, you switch things up and, you know, we've seen Kucherov with, with point over the years quite a few times. We've seen Kalorn with Sorelli. Those two have gotten uh they they've been uh taken away from each other now and now you're seeing Kalorn with, with Paquette and Maroon and those three you know had a productive game in the Arizona game uh Maroon and Paquette both putting up a couple points when they hadn't really pointed in a while so yeah it's almost like you just kind of you know put the numbers like in those little lottery balls where you you pull the handle and a ball comes up and you got a number it's almost like that's what John Cooper's doing right now you can just put whatever line combination you want together and these guys uh, are finding a way to find chemistry with one another and to have success. And they, these guys have talked about it for a while, about how they really feel like they can play with anybody on the team, that you know, they develop that chemistry during training camp where maybe they play with guys that they're not used to playing with. Uh, and just everybody on this team has talent and skill. It doesn't matter who you're, you're out there with. You, you're still going to be productive as long as you play within the system. So I think you're seeing that right now. And the Alex Kalorn career year continues. Burns, you can make a case. He's been the team's MVP so far midway through the year. Yeah, I mean, you got to wonder, is he going to hit 30 this year? I, I thought even, you know, when he was the last couple of games when he's been on this run that he's on, I still thought 30 might be too far. But now I don't know. He's only one away from his career high of, of 19 goals that he set you know, a couple seasons ago in the year that the Lightning didn't make the playoffs in 2016-17. Uh, I think he's got like nine goals over his last 11 games now. It's really just been an incredible run, and it's been fun to watch this kind of back-and-forth battle between Kalorn and Braden Point and Steven Stamkos. It seems like Kalorn you know, scores a goal early in the game, and, and then Point and Stamkos match them later on, and, and those three are all bunched up there at the, the top of the goal leaderboard for the Lightning. Now Nikita Kucherov with his two goals in the Arizona game, he's kind of thrown his name in the mix there as well. So it's been kind of fun during this nine-game run just to see those three, four guys uh, kind of take take charge and, and really be goal producers for this team and kind of have that little internal competition with among themselves to see who's going to be the, the goal leader for this team at season's end. When push comes to shove and these games really mean something in the playoffs, what do you think the line combinations are going to look like? Obviously, we don't know if there's going to be any trades or injuries at that time, but do you get the sense that John Cooper will go back to you know, your more traditional Sorelli and uh, Kulorn playing with one another? Do you feel like who's ever playing well at the time, that'll be the line? Yeah, I think the timing will dictate a lot of that. But, yeah, I, I really like the Kulorn, Sorelli, Stamkos pairing. I thought that was a really good combination. I like Palat, Point, Kucherov. Uh, I thought those were uh, two really good lines for the Lightning. Uh you know, Maroon, Paquette, Gord, when those guys were going, especially on that Sweden trip, it felt like that month of November, you know, they were making an impact pretty much every game. And then that kind of stagnated a little bit. And I think that's kind of uh, was maybe the, the first domino to fall as far as like switching up the lines that we've seen over this last month or so. Uh, those guys kind of got broken up and it you know, pulled some other lines apart now. But I still like that combination. Uh, would be interested to see if they could get back together, if they could kind of uh, reconnect and regenerate that chemistry that they have. And 
Uh, just really like what, what Verhage and Mitchell Stevens have done together. I think those guys have been absolutely dynamite. And Yanni Gord on that line, too, has just been kind of that workhorse that he always is. And uh, that's been a really energetic line for the Lightning over the last couple games. They've been one of the Lightning's best lines. Uh, so that will be interesting, I think, as we come down the stretch. I think maybe, you know, just what's been working as they go into the playoffs, the, this has always been a team where if it's working, they don't really like to, to tinker too much. It's when things stagnate that you start to see the lines kind of go in flux. But uh, if things are working going into the playoffs, whatever that combination is, I could foresee that uh, being what they go with at the start of the playoffs. But uh, I like some of those earlier line combinations we saw at the beginning of the year, too. I think they might go back to those and kind of rediscover what they had there earlier. Beat reporter for the Tampa Bay Lightning, Brian Burns, joins us here on Lightning Power Play Live. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with part two of our interview with Brian Burns. Hit me up on Twitter at Greg Linnelli. Don't forget, in segment four, Sam Carcitti from the Philadelphia Inquirer. He'll be on with us as well. Brian Burns, part two, up next on Lightning Power Play. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Shot taken, Morgan! What a save by Vasilevsky! No rebound! The latest news, interviews, and more. No. With your host, Greg Lanelli. Really? On Lightning Power Play. Lightning Power Play Live continues here on a Saturday. Greg Linnelli with you. Brian Burns, who's the beat reporter for the Tampa Bay Lightning, has been gracious enough to hang on for one more segment, talking Lightning and Flyers with you. Seems like Tampa Bay may have avoided some big-time injuries in that last game uh, against Arizona. What can you tell us about Maroon and Pilat? It seems like uh, those guys should be okay for this trip and at the very least uh, maybe miss a couple of games. Yeah, yeah, all things considered, I think the Lightning came out of that in pretty good shape out of that Arizona game. I thought Maroon might have been out for a little bit. He looked pretty dazed when he took that elbow and uh, seemed to need some time to kind of find his stick on the ice and collect himself and get off the ice. Uh, It took him a while to get off, and really good to see him at practice uh, on Friday and didn't really look like there were any ill effects from that hit. And uh, from all indications, he's going to be good to go and will play in this weekend back-to-back set. And then Andre Pallad, I mean, that could have that could have been really, uh, you know, that could have been really serious. That that knee on knee hit from Taylor Hall, and uh, it was good to see him get up, you know, on his own and, and kind of skate off uh, without you know, any help from the training staff or any of his teammates. I think that was a pretty good sign that it's not going to be anything too long term. And uh, he's day to day for this weekend back to back set. They bring in Alexander Volkov from Syracuse as. Uh, maybe precautionary reasons, or you know, he he might be playing in both of these games. I I think, you know, if they were bringing someone up just to kind of be there for emergency, you might see you know Corey Conacher. Uh, he's been used in that role a little bit. I think the fact that they bring up Volkov, I think it's a pretty good indication that we'll probably see him in at least one of these games, if not both, uh, during the weekend. But you know, good news for the Lightning, they have this bye week coming up after next week. So even if Andre Palat's not able to go for uh, you know, this week and a half or so until the, the uh, all-star weekend and the bye week. And if Ryan McDonough is not able to go until then, they'll have that, you know, nine to 10 game stretch there where those guys can get healthy. And, you know, coming out of that break, you should have pretty much everybody uh, ready to go for the stretch run, provided nobody else gets injured between now and then. Lawrence, I asked this question on my show the other day, which defenseman has surprised you the most regarding their play this year? Mikhail Sergachev, Kevin Shattenkirk, or Jan Ruta? 
I mean, for me, it's been Sergachev. I just think he's really elevated his game. And even in the last, uh, you know, two to three weeks or so, kind of coinciding with this run that the Lightning have been on, I really feel like he's just uh, taken even another uh, step in his career. And now he's pretty much, I think, entrenched as one of those top four guys. I think they really like him getting a lot of the minutes. He's been uh, playing a little bit more on the penalty kill. They've been using him in a lot more situations. Uh, I asked him before the Arizona game if this was as confident as he's ever felt during his time up here in the NHL. And he kind of thought about it for a second. He's like, yeah, you know what? I think it really is. I just, I've always said he always felt good offensively, always felt pretty comfortable with what he could do there, but maybe uh, his own zone was still, you know, thinking the game a little bit too much and not just reacting and playing like he can. And Kevin Shattenkirk talked about it a little bit too, saying that he's just playing a lot more uh, physically over this last month, two months or so that he's really elevated his game. And that's really translated throughout his defensive game and uh, just really given him a lot of confidence. So I would say Mikhail Sergachev. I think Jan Ruda too is just another one of those under the radar guys just quietly goes out there and does his job every single night. Doesn't really make any mistakes, makes the, the smart, solid, simple play and uh, just really allows Victor Hedman to do his thing offensively. when those two are paired together and, uh, I just think he's been – he would probably be 1A for me. If Mikhail Sergachev's A then, then, or number one, then uh, Jan Ruda would be 1A for biggest surprises just because of his ability to stay in there and, uh, and consistently give you a solid effort every night. I think he's been really good for the Lightning and a little bit of a revelation for them with uh, when Braden Coburn went out with that injury and they didn't have his services there for a while. You know, it's really interesting about the Jan Ruta trade. We talked about Julian Brees are really not doing much – last year at the trade deadline but that ends up being a pretty sneaky move bringing in Jan Ruta for Slater Cuckoo you knew Cuckoo wasn't going to be in your top six Bernsey maybe not even your top seven and if things hold true here Jan Ruta's in your top six and playing pretty good minutes pretty underrated move I think doesn't get talked a lot about yeah and I know a lot of fans are kind of upset at the time uh, you know Slater Cuckoo had always shown that promise I always think back to that that playoff series against the New York Islanders when he really, you know, kind of came into his own there. And I think everybody expected him to be a top four pairing defenseman going into that next year. And, you know, he just never really took ownership and and took hold of that position and kind of got passed over by some other guys. And I think it had become pretty clear midway through last season that he just wasn't going to be, he wasn't going to figure in the lightning's plans. He'd had opportunities to get in and, uh, for whatever reason, he wasn't in the lineup that much. He was a healthy scratch pretty much uh, every night and uh, just wasn't getting the opportunity here. Kind of a win-win situation. He got to go to another organization and maybe start over and uh, try his hand with a new group. And uh, the Lightning were able to bring in Jan Ruda. And yeah, like you said, I mean, he's been a, a top pair defenseman when he's been in the lineup with Victor Hedman. And uh, it's almost kind of taken over that Dan Girardi role where Girardi didn't really do anything spectacular, but just kind of made all the the right plays out on the ice that allowed Victor Hedman to, to be the player that, that he can be. And, and Jan Ruda has kind of quietly become that, that kind of da, uh, Dan Girardi type player that, uh, that you can pair up with a Victor Hedman. And those two will give you some really solid minutes. Brian Burns joins us here on lightning power play live, getting you set for lightning and flyers. Do you get the sense Burnsy? Now that the Lightning have kind of settled into a rhythm here with their lineup and, and winning games and getting rewarded for their play, that uh, does that impact, do you think, what Julian Breezewall will do at the trade deadline? I mean, we don't know what he's going to, to do. You and I are going to speculate a bit, but I'm wondering, with the way the back end has played, 
do they maybe no longer look at a top four? Is it more of a spare part? And do you feel like Verhage and Stevens, their play from now till the dra- trade deadline will determine if they want to add a spare part at the forward position? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good thought with the uh, with the forward group. I think when you lost, uh, when Matthew Joseph got sent back down and uh, you weren't sure if he was going to be a, a regular part of your forward group going forward, I think maybe that necessitated uh, looking at the uh, at the rental market or, or just who could be out there and could be available at the trade deadline. Uh, but now I'm not so sure if you necessarily need that. I, I really feel like Stevens and Verhage have played well, and I think Mitchell Stevens is pretty much here to stay. I don't really see him going back down to Syracuse as long as he continues to play uh, the way that he's played. And now that we're seeing Carter Verhage's offensive production increase as well, I think he's kind of solidified his spot. So, you know, maybe you, you look for a, a top nine forward, someone that, that you can throw in there and just give you a little bit more firepower to, among your forward group. I think defensively, uh, unless you, there's just a, an unbelievable deal out there, and those usually don't come around at the trade deadline, I, I think they're pretty much set on the back end. I don't know uh, really what more you need back there. Once you get Ryan McDonough back uh, from his injury, uh, your your top six look look pretty set. Uh, and then you've got a couple spare parts, whether that, that's Luke Shen or if it's Ruda or if it's Coburn. You've got a couple guys uh, sitting on the bench that can give you pretty good minutes too when needed. So uh, not sure that they're going to be looking for too much defensively, but I could see them maybe trying to get a, a, another forward, someone that they could slide into that top nine role and just really augment what they have offensively right now. Barzi, do you feel like for a lot of people, though, with this Lightning team, the way they're playing, even though I think it's different than last year, and I'm actually very encouraged by what they're doing and potentially what they could do in the playoffs, that most people are still looking at this team and saying, I can't get too excited. I need to see what you do come playoff time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you kind of have to to temper you know, how you feel about the team right now while they're on this nine-game run because you wonder a little bit, is it fool's gold just looking at the schedule and the teams that they're playing right now? And you look at this stretch from Christmas until the All-Star break, and uh, the Lightning had a pretty good opportunity to go on a run with the teams that were on the schedule. And you almost wish they could play a Washington or a Boston or a Colorado or someone who's just at the upper echelon at the league right now and uh, and just kind of test and see, you know, are they really playing as well as we think they're playing or are they doing it a little bit? Uh, because of the opposition they're playing. And I thought Andre Vasilevsky had a really good quote after the Arizona win where uh, he talked about having a short memory. And the team had a short memory back in October and November when things weren't going their way and maybe they weren't playing well. And you just put that bad performance behind you and go back out the next game and try to rectify it. And he said, you have to have a short memory now as well when things are going uh, really good for the team because, you know, it's the NHL. It can change in the blink of an eye. So you really need to go out every game and, just focus on trying to play as well as you can and not think about the fact that you've won nine in a row and allowed that to kind of cloud your vision. I thought that was a really good quote from him, and I think it's a, a good signal to Lightning fans. So, yeah, enjoy what's going on right now, but you know maybe temper your expectations a little bit because at some point they're going to lose, and they might lose two or three in a row, and you know that doesn't mean they need to make wholesale changes or, or fire the coach or trade everybody. It's just part of the process of getting through the regular season and hopefully having a better playoff run than they did last year. Yeah, I'm wondering, too, if it's taken them this long to put last year's disappointment in the playoffs behind them. In other words, just kind of move on and and say, okay, you know what, guys, we're midway through the season. We need to start playing better 
Last year happened. It's done. We didn't like it, but if we want to avenge last year, we got to make the playoffs, so we have to start playing better. I'm wondering if that had uh, anything to do with this recent nine-game win streak, in addition to, obviously, Burnsy playing very well. Yeah, I think maybe the, the first month or so of the season, probably up until Sweden, they still had a little bit of last year's disappointment on their mind. I think once they got back from Sweden, I think maybe that was in the back door. That was kind of a good, just kind of, that was a good trip to just maybe put a bow on everything that had happened last year and realize that this was a new season and a new opportunity. Uh, and really since then, uh, I don't really think that last year has popped up in their minds too much. The only time it really popped up is when uh, you get outside media. Uh, I know, especially when Montreal comes into town, when they came into town for their first time, it was still brought up every now and then you get a, uh, a group of media from a, a visiting team that hasn't had a chance to talk to those lightning teams since that, uh, that first round sweep by Columbus and those those uh, questions get asked again what happened in the first round have you guys gotten over what happened in the first round how is this team different or how have you guys uh, decided to play differently as a team to make sure that something like that doesn't happen again and you could tell some of the guys are getting a little annoyed by it I know Steven Stamkos in particular had to field those questions a lot Victor Hedman and you know they reiterated quite often you know that's in the past we've we, we've kind of put that you know, in the rear view mirror. And we don't really think about that anymore. We only ever have to think about it when it gets brought up again by the media. So I think that's been in the past since the Sweden trip. It might get brought up again every now and then, but I don't really think these guys are dwelling too much on that Columbus uh, four game sweep. Which player are you keeping an eye on here the next few weeks? Maybe how they finish the season to uh, maybe get to where they need to get to or to see if they um, are going to cool down because they're off to such a hot streak. I think Yannick Gord's an interesting guy because he's been close, but certainly not the production we've seen over the last couple of years this year from Yanni. Yeah, Yanni's a good one. He's had some really good opportunities and has missed the net on a few of those. And uh, he was so good at scoring in close over the uh, the last couple of years. And that's dried up a little bit. But I still think he's doing a lot of really good things whenever he's out there on the ice. Uh, so you wonder if that offensive production will, will come if he just kind of sticks with it, kind of like the team, just mirroring what they've been able to do here in the last month, just sticking with it and trusting the process. And uh, at some point you'll get rewarded for, for that. Uh, Anthony Sorelli is another guy. He somewhat quiet a little bit offensively over the last few games, but uh, he's one I certainly expect to pick it back up. And I expect him to, to close the, the season out strong and, uh, maybe Braden Point, too. He's had some opportunities, especially on the power play, where he's gotten the puck in the slot and uh, chances that he just buried automatically last season. He's been a little bit off target this year. and uh, He could probably have about 25 goals right now if he were able to, to cash in on all the opportunities that he's had. So I'm really curious to see if maybe he can get that fixed and score a little bit more on the power play and cash in on those opportunities and uh, really go on a goal run over you know the, the, the final half of the regular season. Lastly, Burnsy, what are you expecting tonight against the Flyers, a team who is um, hanging on to a, a playoff spot, and they need as many wins as possible. Much better home team than away, and it's it's actually kind of extreme, the difference between the two. But uh, what do you make of tonight's game in Philly? Yeah, I mean, they've been uh, – remember last year, these games against Philadelphia were just back and forth, and it seems like it's been that way over the last couple seasons, but – the Lightning broke out to big leads in all three of those games. And in two of them, uh, Philly came storming back in the third period and was able to tie the score. And the Lightning were able to, to get both points in, uh, in overtime. But 
And they've scored five goals, at least five goals, over the last five times they've played Philadelphia. So I would expect a, another high-scoring affair. I, you know, I think the Lightning are playing, obviously, better defensively right now. So hopefully uh, they're maybe able to limit what, what the Flyers are able to do. And if they do build a big lead, uh, they've shown over the last month or so that they're able to, to close those games out when they do have a big lead going into the third period. Uh, I think it's going to be really incumbent on the Lightning to stay out of the penalty box. Uh, and a lot of those games last year, Philly really generated a lot of their offense off of the power play and were able to get back into those games uh, because of some silly penalties that the Lightning took in the third period. Uh, the Flyers were able to generate a lot of momentum off their power play. So I think as long as the Lightning stay out of the box, uh, I think that'll be a pretty good indication of how they'll play tonight. Bernsey, great stuff as always, buddy. We always enjoy your analysis. We'll do it again next week as the Lightning have a bunch of road games here to uh, finish out January. But um, we appreciate the analysis. We'll do it again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Greg. Brian Burns, check out his work at the Lightning website. Coming up next, Sam Carcitti from the Philadelphia Inquirer. We'll get a scanner report on those flyers. It's all coming up next on Lightning Power Play. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. The latest news, interviews, and more. Finally! With your host, Greg Lanelli. Oh, the relief on his face! On Lightning Power Play. All right, Lightning Power Play Live continues. We're getting you set for Lightning and Flyers. The Lightning looking to extend their win streak to 10 games. It's been a pretty incredible run, and Going against a team that's very good on their home ice. Here to talk about the game a little bit more. He covers the Flyers for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Let's welcome back to the program Sam Carcitti. Sam, first off, great to be with you. Thanks so much for making time for us today. And, well, you don't want to say the game against the Caps the other night was a must-win, but considering the road trip the Flyers were just on, they needed that game in a big way, didn't they? Yeah, no question, Greg. They uh, they had a 1-4-1 and road trip, and... Uh, uh, really weren't in a lot of those games. They were outscored in the first period, fifteen to five, during those six games. And uh, it's it's tough to play catch up hockey, and it seemed like they were playing catch up hockey almost every game on that trip. So uh, uh, you're right; they they really needed a bounce back and playing in back to back games, as were the uh, Capitals. But uh, you know, the Flyers just came off a, a grueling twelve day six six game trip, so. Uh, you didn't know how much energy they would have, but they uh, they played well. Carter Hart got off to a slow start, but got better as the game went on. And, and uh, yeah, it was a much-needed win, and I thought they played with a lot of desperation in that game. And they're certainly going to need to play with some desperation when they play the Lightning because you know how well they're playing right now. So uh, Flyers have another uh, real tough task, uh, test coming up. Sam, why the huge disparity record-wise between home and away games for the Flyers? It's one thing to struggle a bit on the road, but, boy, the Flyers have almost taken it to an extreme, haven't they? They really have, and it's puzzling. Uh, they can't figure it out. They um, Slow starts, as I mentioned uh, a minute ago, that, that's probably been the number one factor. Um, the penalty kill has been so strong at home and, and not so good on the road. Um the power play as well. So, uh, but the biggest factor has probably been the goaltending. Carter Hart has uh, been lights out at home. He, you know, his his numbers are spectacular on the road. He's been he's looked like an AHL goaltender. I mean, 
his uh, goals against is about 1.5, uh, uh, maybe a shade under that at home. On the road, it's over four. And his goals against is about 9.50 on home ice and about 8.50 on the road. So you usually don't see that disparity. Yeah, you might see a little bit of a difference, but these, these are really stunning. And, and uh, you know, I've talked to Carter Hart about it. He says that he prepares the same way and, and uh, nothing is different that way. But I think I think the road has kind of gotten into his head, into his head. He hasn't said that, and he won't say that. But it seems like he gives up when he gives up a bad early goal, and that's happened a lot on the road. Uh, you kind of you can see the body language, like here we go again, and uh, then things start to snowball. And and uh, I mean, he's given up three and four goals in the first period of some of these recent road games. And that's just not like him. And uh, but uh, as I mentioned, he's been brilliant at home, and and uh, you know you'll probably the Lightning will probably see a, another solid performance from him on Saturday. So it's just a matter of whether the young defense in front of him, uh, you know, can give him enough support. The Flyers are missing two of their six defensemen. Justin Braun is out with a groin injury. Shane Gostas bears out with a knee injury. Um, the young kids stepped up against the Capitals the other night, and they're going to have to do that again on Saturday. Yeah, Sam, and it's not like you have many options in nets. I mean, Hart is the future, and sometimes with young goaltenders, they're going to have some ups and downs, particularly on the road, and it's not like you're going to go to Brian Elliott to shoulder the responsibilities the rest of the way. Is this just one of the situations where the Flyers have to ride Hart, and hopefully he works out some of the kinks? Probably, but I wouldn't be surprised uh, if Elliot gets a bulk of the road starts. He's been uh, not great on the road, but he's been better than Hart, and he's a veteran, as you mentioned. So uh, they're in a stretch right now after playing so many road games. Uh, they're in a stretch starting with Thursday's game where they play six of seven at home. The only road game during that time is in St. Louis on Wednesday. So I kind of think that Elliot will get that start. And then Carter Hart will probably uh, uh, start maybe five of the six games at home, including Saturdays against the Lightning. So, uh, you know what? Uh, you mentioned Elliott. He's been solid, not spectacular by any means, but he's been solid. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that, that I think they'll lean on a little bit more down the stretch, uh, especially in these road games. Sam Carcitti from the Philadelphia Inquirer joins us here on Lightning Power Play Live. Sam, you mentioned some injuries to the back end. Shane Gossespierre, one of them, out three weeks with a left knee injury. How big of a blow is that to the Flyers? Uh, I know you were uh, talking about this in the last article. It seemed like he was uh, playing pretty well defensively, which is big for them. Yeah, he's played much better defensively. He was benched in late November by Elaine Vigneault for three games. They weren't happy with his play, and uh, since then his defense has, has improved. He, he's still struggling a little bit offensively, although, although he's picked that up too. But, uh, you know, he's on pace for maybe uh, uh, 27, 28 points, which is a far cry. He had 66 points two years ago and slumped last year. So, um, you know, maybe this knee injury, uh, he'll have minor surgery on it, and maybe that will help with his lateral movement. He just does not seem as quick as he has in the past. And when he's at his best and he's healthy, uh, his lateral movement is off the charts. And 
he's one of the most exciting defensemen in the league. But we, we've only seen bursts of that this year. And uh, so they're hoping, um, you know, this is only a minor setback for him. He actually was demoted from the first power play to the second. Ivan Provorov, who uh, is having a tremendous year, he's taken his spot uh, on the top power play, and Ghost was on the second power play. So Travis Sanheim has moved into that spot. And um, to be honest, they don't lose that much because the way Ghost has been playing. Um, but, uh, you know, if Ghost is at 100%, that, you know, he, he's he's a guy who can really make the power play click. So, as I said, they're hopeful that when he returns that we see the old Ghost and uh, that he, he shows a little more quickness. Uh, as far as the other defenseman, Justin Braun, he's uh, the classic stay-at-home defensive defenseman. A, uh, a veteran who blocks a lot of shots, so, the, so they miss that. So they're going to go with the kid, Mark Friedman, who played only his second NHL game on Thursday. And they'll also have a, a, another rookie in the lineup, Phil Myers, who uh, has had a good rookie year, uh, has slumped a little bit lately, but uh, he, he's the Flyers' plus-minus leader. He's got a big shot. He's a 6'5 right-handed shot, and... Uh, um, you know, he overall he's had a he's had a good rookie year. Sam, is Kevin Hayes a seven million dollar player? I think he's a good player, but for seven million, you need to be close to elites. Mm. How has he looked so far this year for the Flyers? He's had he's had a solid year, and I think there were some extenuating circumstances when uh, they were negotiating with Hayes. They knew that Nolan Patrick uh, was having some problems with migraines. I don't think. Anybody knew at the time the extent of that, but they knew there was a chance that uh, Patrick would not be ready and that he could be out for a while. So I think that bumped up the price tag for Hayes because they they were in dire straits. They they didn't want to go into the season knowing that uh, Couture will be their number one guy. The number two guy could be Scott Lawton. Lawton's better suited as a third or fourth line center. So. Um, for that reason, I think they threw uh, a few more dollars at Hayes, and, and he has been a, a little bit inconsistent, but he's been a very good addition to this team. There's no question. He's helped their uh, penalty kill immensely. He's got 13 goals, and uh, he's really uh, uh, brightened things up in the locker room, too. He's, he's, a, he's become a leader and a, an outspoken kind of guy. He doesn't hold any punches, and and uh, he's been a real good addition to his team, no question. Sam, let's get into Nolan Patrick a bit. I mean, anybody that's had migraine issues know how debilitating that can really be. Um, is this something that um, obviously the organization was aware of, and is it just something that really um, became more of an issue this year? And what is the uh, long-term prognosis for a guy like this who's still 21 years old? Yeah, nobody knows right now, Greg. There's, uh, I mean, uh, basically they've been saying uh, almost every time we get an update, uh, they've been saying he's still week to week, and that's the case with him. I mean, there was one stretch where he skated seven out of eight days but did not have contact, and uh, uh, that's the next step. He's got to have contact before they can think of uh, having him play in a game. But, uh, I mean, there's a chance he could be back in a in a few weeks, there's also a chance he could be out for the rest of the season. And uh, no one knows. He had this, I talked to him, and he had it when he was youngster, like maybe 11 or 12. He had these 
uh, debilitating headaches and migraines, and they eventually went away. And the Flyers are saying right now it's not because of a concussion. Uh, and he did have a couple of them. He has had a few in the past, but they say that it's just a, a condition that he that for some reason he had as a youngster, and it it went away by itself, and it didn't come back for like eight or nine years. And, and here we are uh, in 2020, and he's he's fighting it again. And it, it's a shame for the kid because this was. Uh, everyone thought this would be a breakout year for him. As I mentioned, they, they picked up Kevin Hayes. Hayes slotted in nicely at number two in the center position, and uh, Patrick was going to go from number two to number three. Would have given him much better matchups. And I think they were looking at Patrick after a couple of 13-goal seasons to really bloom and, and score 20 goals this year, come into his own. But, uh, you know, that just hasn't happened. He hasn't played a game this year. And... Uh, and, of course, the unfortunate news with uh, Oscar Lindblom battling a, a rare bone cancer. And the Flyers are, are short, uh, you know, two really key players in their in their attack. Not only in their attack, but uh, defensively, Patrick had really become a good defensive player. And Oscar Lindblom was just blossoming. Mean, he was probably the Flyers' second-best two-way forward after Sean Couturier. So, you know, we everyone, of course, wishes – nothing but the best for both of them. And you wish uh, Lindblom um, has a speedy recovery and he's getting uh, treatments right now for the, for his uh, rare bone cancer, but uh, it's also hurt them. I mean, from the hockey side, um, it's really set them back both offensively and defensively should also mention that uh, Oscar Lindblom gave everybody a lift today. He, He was in the Flyers locker room after their practice today and he's been having treatments at Penn uh the local hospital here and and it's the first time the Flyers had a chance to see him since he started his treatments because they were on the road for 12 days so he it was uh it was good for everybody to see him and and uh, coach Elaine Vigneault said without question this is the best part of my day just seeing Oscar seeing him here seeing him smile and and that the treatments are going well so that was uh, that was real good news today from uh, from the Flyers and Oscar Lindblom. What's his prognosis, Sam? I mean, obviously cancer. You know, nobody wants to experience something like that. The kind he had, did they catch it in time? And what uh, is the outlook, I guess, for him? I guess this year and the remaining years. Yeah, the, we're still waiting. At, at a lot of privacy issues, and, and uh, we're still waiting for the doctors uh, and Oscar to give permission for the doctors to talk. So until he gives the green light on that, and you can understand it's a very sure. sensitive and private matter until he gives the green light. Uh, the doctors can't comment specifically. Um, you know, I've talked to other doctors and I've talked to Mark uh, Herzlick, who was a linebacker at the New York giants who underwent the same, uh, who fought the same type of cancer and came back 15 months later. Uh, his was in a different location, but, um, you know, he came back and had a productive six-year career with the Giants and, and even won a Super Bowl ring with them. But every case is different. And until we get a report from the doctor, it's hard to even speculate on uh, on Lindblom. But, uh, you know, he, he's an optimistic kid. He's a very humble, happy-go-lucky kid. And you, you wish him nothing but the best. Uh, the players in the locker room just love him. He, he just... Uh, 
is the kind of guy you like to be around and, and, uh, you know, forget about what he does for you as a team. He was tied with uh, Travis connecting. He's their leading scorer when he, when he was diagnosed. So you just, uh, you just hope for the best for him. And, and he's in good hands right now, as I said, at, uh, at Penn hospital. And, uh, uh, but as far as, you know, when he can come back, I guess the earliest will be next year, but even that right now is probably a long shot, but the, but we're going to get more uh, as uh, as we go down the road here. We'll probably have a press conference with the doctors, and uh, uh, it'll become more clear. Well, Sam, before we let you go, because of Patrick and Lindblom and where maybe Philadelphia is in the standings, a very competitive Eastern Conference, we know about how the Metropolitan is just a beast with the top three teams in Washington, New York, and Pittsburgh, and uh, Philadelphia right there trying to, to stay alive. Do you feel like management is going to be forced in some ways if they continue to hang around to make a move to give this team a chance to get into the playoffs because they're battling so hard with so many uh, injuries slash illnesses facing them? Possibly. I mean, the the big key there is cap space. They don't have much of it, so they really can't make uh, you know any drastic move. You know, if uh, someone ends up going in a long-term injured list, which is always a possibility, uh, then they would it would free up some cap space. But that's really the only way right now that they can make uh, you know even a semi-major move. Uh, they probably need another score. Quite frankly, they need some of these guys to step up. Guys like James Van Riemsdyk, who has been uh, inconsistent. He had eight goals in a 13-game stretch, and then. Uh, uh, did not score on the six-game road trip, and then they came home, and, and he went squirrels in that. So he hasn't scored in, in uh, seven games. Uh, they need him to step up. They need uh, the rookie, Joel Farabee, to step up. And, uh, you know, if those guys step up and, and play to their potential, um, you know, then maybe you don't have to add a, a forward. They also have pretty good depth. They're fortunate that uh, – they're able to call up a guy like Farabee or uh, Nick Albee Cabell from the minors. And, and uh, even Morgan Frost was here for a while. He's one of their top two prospects in the minors. He's nailed down with the AHL again. But uh, they are pretty. They have a pretty deep pipeline. So I, I think more than likely if they make any moves, it'll be probably between the Phantoms, their AHL team, and the big league team. But uh, – uh, and again, they have to get some of these guys on defense healthy, and they have to get Carter Hart straight down the road. If that all happens, they'll they'll probably uh, you know be batting for a playoff spot right up to the last game of the season. Sam, as always, great analysis. We always appreciate your time. Enjoy the game uh, tonight, and we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks, Greg. Really appreciate it. There we go, Sam Carcitti from the Philadelphia Inquirer. All right, coming up next, it's the pregame show. We're getting set for Lightning and Flyers right here on Lightning Power Play.